0: Welcome back to Around the Old 160 for our second episode of the podcast. I'm Jack Berhensky, and join me as she does every episode is Holly Kadelka. And today is December 3rd, December 6th, 2020. And we made it the last month of 2020.
1: And we can't wait for the clock to strike midnight on January 1st to have all of our problems hopefully go away in 2021. We've just started virtual school for the second time this year and we'll be recording interviews in this fashion over teams until likely February when we are back on campus. On today's show, we have Tremaine Parker joining us, a VES senior from Raleigh, North Carolina. Today we'll be discussing his recent commitment to play lacrosse at Pace University, and then we can dive into the upcoming season for VES basketball teams.
0: What's up, guys? What's up? And then after that, We'll do a deep dive into NBA free agency, which never seems to disappoint. We'll recap the first week or so, I guess two weeks now, of the 2021 to 2020 2020 to 2021 college basketball season, a lot of 20s. And we've got a great episode.
1: All right. So without further ado, Tremaine Parker. What's up, Tremaine?
0: What's up, guys? How are you guys doing? What up, what up? We're chilling. We're chilling. So how's it been? Uh you've been good?
2: yeah dude i've been good um it's been crazy with everything going on in the world but you know i'm just trying to make it through
0: Mm, for sure so um can you give our listeners a little more background about uh your ves experience and um or just like your sports experience at ves and like just like your sports experience and life and like how you got your interests and just like all of it you know Uh, as far as like my recruitment uh nah just like how you like Came to like play lacrosse and basketball.
2: Um. Well, um. It started out on um, me in eighth grade playing lacrosse, and then on um, My middle school lacrosse coach referred me um to BS and some other boarding schools, and then ever since then I met Coach Gardner, who was the lacrosse coach there at the time, and um. Ever since started going to BS, started getting acclimated with the schedule, acclimated with everybody else, um. And started playing from there, and my VS experience has just been really amazing. Um, coach Gardner would end up leaving, and right now we have Coach Gates, who's also an amazing coach, um, wouldn't be where I am without him. And um, overall, VS experience um, athletically is just amazing. You know, we have great fans, um, a great student body who comes to all the games. Um, everybody's really supportive of each sport, so makes it really nice and great environment to be in.
0: For sure.
1: Yeah, so we all know that you have recently committed to Pace University in New York. Can you tell us um, about your recruiting process and what made you decide to choose Pace?
2: Um, well, the recruitment process was very long. Um, it's pretty hard. And the funny thing I like tell a lot of people is that it's kind of um overrated. I mean, when before you like go start going through the recruiting process, you're like, oh man, I can't wait to like start getting looked at by colleges and stuff like that, which is like great like don't get me wrong it's really great but once you start going through it you start to see that like all the stuff that actually goes into it and it can be like pretty stressful so um I mean I got my like first offer like I think all my sophomore year and since then I've just been um deciding on different schools and different schools and coming in and with like all this like quarantine stuff going on with COVID kind of allowed me to like you know, being myself in my room, like talking to coaches and setting up visit dates and just pretty much comparing all my options. And, um, I ended up choosing Pace University at the New York.
0: You think, um, you got more, I don't know, time to look at the schools, uh, than you would have in a normal year or what was the, how do you think it differed from a normal year? I guess.
2: Absolutely. Because I remember when um back in the fall of junior year, I'd rush back to my room to try and schedule a call um, with a coach right before practice. Mm. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have enough time. But with um, me being home, um, it allowed me to do visits, uh, set up virtual calls with different coaches. and It really gave me a chance to like just sit and think about like all my options. And um, God led me to pace. So that's where I'm going.
0: Uh, so why did you decide to play uh, lacrosse in college rather than um basketball because i know that's another that's another sport you play and we'll get into that more later but yeah just talk a little bit about that
2: um i decided to play lacrosse because it honestly just ended up being uh, one of the sports i was better at um i know like my freshman sophomore year i hadn't really decided and i always knew that it was either going to be one of those sports so Um, throughout my high school career, I mean, I just started getting like lots of interest. My name started getting a little bit bigger in the cross, and so I mean, it went off from there, and God led me to the cross. So, yeah,
1: so this is kind of a good segue into our next topic of VES basketball, which kicked off this past week. Yeah. Yeah, and
0: so we have a member of the men and women's team, men's and women's team here with us. And uh, y'all want to tap in on what the practice schedules are like? I mean, you know, Tremaine obviously some things changed and took a wrong turn this week. But um, just like talk about the COVID basketball experience, you know?
2: Um, wow, (laughs) I didn't know where to start. Um, this week has been absolutely crazy, but at the same time. Um, it was fun. So um, everybody got all packed up, came back to VES. We obviously had to take COVID tests before we came. Um, but just being back on campus, um, staying with certain host families um, around the Lynchburg area, being back on campus with all the guys, it was great. Um, just Seeing everybody um, was great. Even though like, COVID and stuff was going on, just in an environment, because we haven't seen each other in so long, just getting back in the gym and being around each other was pretty good. Um, we would have school throughout the day, then um, end up going to practice, having a few lifts, then really getting into it, getting prepared for our season. But as you said, things kind of took a turn for the worse, but um, I think it should be okay. We hopefully should be back in January.
1: Yeah, we kind of had a set schedule from the start that the gym would be open one um, thirty to 5.30 every day. Um, and the guys and girls team would kind of split the time up while one team was lifting. The other one would um, be on the court practicing. But it was really fun to, you know, get to see everybody. I was looking forward to having some games. But um, unfortunately, we live in kind of an unpredictable world right now, so (laughs) you never know what's going to happen. But um, looking forward to coming back in January and playing some games then, hopefully.
0: Is the girls' team shut down too? Or... Yep. Oh damn! I'm sorry about y'all's December seasons. That sucks. Yeah.
1: It's alright.
0: We right. kind of seen that everywhere too. I think it's like interesting. It's like, obviously, we saw it yesterday with um, Baylor and Gonzaga. Like we woke up, we thought this is probably this is a national championship matchup possibly, and then we get the news about 30 minutes before tip off or about an hour and a half before tip off that gonzaga had two players test positive and we're like and the game's not going to be played and it just kind of sucks you know it's like
1: yeah that's like exactly what happened with our game probably about like eight hours before you know we were supposed to play we got a message that was like the game's canceled there's been um you know a situation so unfortunately we didn't get to play that game but hopefully in january we'll have a couple then hopefully february
0: yeah, yeah sure.
2: It was pretty crazy. Um, Settler said that 31 Division One games were canceled.
0: So, mm-hmm. And I think that's the other thing that's, like, super crazy. It's, like, Villanova, like, I remember, like, one of their games got canceled, and they were, like, in the Mohegan Sun bubble, and they yeah. were like, hey, let's just stay here. We'll play Virginia Tech, who was, you know, they were – Projected to finish 14th in the ACC or last, and then they end up losing to Villanova, or Villanova ends up <laughs> losing to Tech. And it's like, you know, these guys, y'all didn't have like scrimmages that you normally would have had, um, whether it's college or high school, and you're just unprepared no matter how much like talent you have. Like, this is just one of those years where anything can happen.
1: Anything. For sure.
0: So, Tremaine. Uh, obviously you live in Raleigh normally but uh, who were you staying with in Lynchburg because you know you couldn't stay on campus because we had to do these separate bubbles um just tell talk a little bit about uh, who you were staying with and maybe tell us you know I'm sure you got some good stories you know
2: so um, I was staying with um, Ethan Klein and his family um if you guys don't know coach Klein she's a strength and conditioning coach helps out at VES and um, um, Ethan Klein's a freshman this year at VES, and he has two younger brothers. And it was also me, Desmond, and Justin, so two other players on the basketball team. And that was really fun. Um, like you said, we had a daily schedule um, where we'd have class and stuff like that. But if we weren't in class, we were all hanging out together, um, playing Xbox, video games, stuff like that. But like I said, dude, like the environment just to be back around the Lynchburg area with everybody that you miss was just like – it was fun. we had fun all week long um, joking watching games and stuff like that, so yeah it was it was pretty fun,
0: yeah, and Holly, can you tap into that a little bit uh just about how it's been being on the girls team, and you know you kind of been dealt with you know uh just the an unlucky draw, as one could say, just talk a little bit about that just on the girls' side,
1: yes, so um. It was really fun, you know, the week that we got to play together, but um, even before, you know, the complications we had starting yesterday, um, from the beginning, you know, we had probably good, like, nine girls that were on our team, but then, you know, when they said, it's a kind of a bigger commitment now, like, you're gonna have to stay in Lynchburg with another family, like, you know, that's not ideal for some girls, so... We ended up having five players that um, were eligible to play. Um, But Kyra was hurting, so, you know, we kind of had, like, four and a half people. So it was kind of like, what were we going to do about our Saturday game in the first place? Because, you know, it's kind of harder to play a basketball game with only five people first game. Um, But we ended up getting another girl. Katie Bloom joined our team. Super ready and willing to play, which was great. Um, And Coach Foy has been great. He's been really willing and excited to coach us. And, you know, he's really dedicated to the team. He's been super optimistic. Um, He really cares about us. But, um, you know, it was hard from the start. But um, even with a small team, it's really really fun. You know, we're all really close. So um, made it really easy, like, team chemistry. It was, you know, it was exciting to play with each other. And,
0: you know, uh, the girls program um, has been through, you know, a lot of different coaches uh, throughout the years that you've been here Uh, from your you had different coach your freshman year and sophomore year and a different coach for your junior year. And now you have a new coach this year. You know, it's just um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because. I know, Tremaine, uh, you've been you've had the same coach for all four years um, and it's just kind of, you know, there's just kind of inconsistency, I guess is the right word. And um, how do you adapt to that when you have someone who's so prominent in your, in your life as a coach and it changes every single year?
1: Uh, yeah. So after my sophomore year or, you know, my past couple years, I've been playing with uh, about the same group of girls. Um, through my junior year. Um, so it was kind of, it made like the adjustment easier from coach to coach because, you know, you're playing the same group of girls. So it wasn't that big, um, of a shift, I guess. Um, we all kind of went through it together, but a lot of our team from last year didn't play. Um, Olivia Mai, and I were the only returners this year. We kind of graduated a lot of people. So coach boy kind of had a clean slate, but, he definitely needs praise for all of his hard work this season. Um, he's really been uh, a great coach, and he's made all of us come together. You know, he's really on top of, like, recruiting new people coming in. Um, just excited to see the program continue to grow these next couple years and see what he can do with it.
0: Sure. Um yeah, well, uh, what do y'all what, what do y'all think y'all's ceilings are as 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 teams from the girls and boys side? I want I want to hear it. Like, is it state championship? Is that the ceiling?
2: That's always the goal. It's always the ceiling. I mean, we have a pretty good team this year. Um, we got like two two or three players who are definitely gonna make an immediate impact. But um, yeah, year to year, that's the goal: of state championship. Mm.
0: Can you talk about the growth a little bit that's happened from last year? this year uh whether it's in your own game or it's in uh what you've seen visibly in your other teammates game
2: um as far as last year um we were we were a really good team last year um there were a few games that we lost that we shouldn't have lost but i think last year we weren't as unified but i think with this year um, everybody sort of being around the same age group because i'm the only senior that i don't know we're more together on and off the court I know it's only been a short amount of time, but as soon as we all got together back on campus, we all like clicked right away. So I think that's really definitely going to show on the court and on um, this season. Sure.
0: And um, Holly, you want to touch on that, too?
1: Uh, yeah. So I'm like, Tremaine. I'm the only senior on our team. Um. And I know Coach Boy's looking at um to bring some girls next year, and um Kyra was a new recruit Molly transferred um so you know we're getting we definitely have a lot of talent on our team, and I know the program's just gonna keep growing uh even though we are small in numbers, the talent is definitely there, and we you know hoping to win lots of games when the season picks up for sure well.
0: Thank you, Tremaine, for joining us. Um, It's a pleasure to see you as always. I hope to have you back in Lynchburg by January when games get rolling again. Um, And, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on.
2: Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. See you guys soon. See you, brother. Peace out.
1: So if y'all don't know Jack, um, you uh, don't know that he loves basketball as much as he does. You know, Jack loves to talk about basketball. So love he's going to gonna get to it, right. it until...
0: Even when <laughs> other people don't anytime.
1: want to. Yep, yep. Uh, we'd love to hear what Jack has to say about, you know, free agencies and what's kind of been happening in college basketball recently. Um, <laughs> Jack's definitely been following it and knows is an expert on college basketball and NBA basketball. So you know, let's hear it, Jack.
0: So I'm recording this part of the podcast without Holly and Tremaine. It's just going to be me, Jack, doing a recap of NBA free agency and uh, the week one college hoops wrap-up. Just got done watching the Virginia-Kent State game, OT thriller. Um, Didn't think that would happen, but here we are. Virginia pulled it off, Sam Hauser pump fake three. Anyways, yeah, uh, this is going to be a good time just going to get into the last month of free agency or so so when we record the episode on sunday with tremaine uh if anything big happens that is why we do not touch on it so uh yeah here we go so and free agency i think the biggest bombshell that happened was about two days ago um john wall uh 10 years on the wizards got traded to the Houston Rockets, who are in blow it up mode, it seems like, uh, for w- Russell Westbrook. Uh, John in a pick, rather. 2023 first round, I believe, and I think they're all protected, too. Yeah. No, they're unprotected. Excuse me. But, as much as people hate on Westbrook, I gotta say, there is too much hate on him. This clearly makes Washington a playoff team. They're a 7 or 8 seed with this now, and I don't I don't get the hate on Westbrook. I'm sorry. Like I get it, but he was so efficient from January to March before the hiatus. He was the highest scoring player. No, the most efficient player in the paint. He's like he's not that tall. <laughs> I mean, I mean Beal and Westbrook. It'll be interesting to see them together. I you know Kevin O'Connor reported at the beginning of the summer that uh, Beal was really excited to play with Wall, but you know I get it. An Achilles for someone like Wall, who relies so much on his athleticism, someone who didn't take the rehab seriously, from what we've heard, is it's risky. It's risky to have him come back. So I get, I get why Washington did it. Because you want to maximize Beal, who was a 30-point per game scorer this year, who got snubbed from an all-star team, got snubbed from an all-NBA team because he didn't win. Air quotes. Anyways. Yeah, I think Washington is the clear winner of that trade. Uh, Houston, I think James Harden is gone by the trade deadline. And March 25th, I think, is what I saw. Sham Sharnia of the Athletic Report today. But, yeah, anyways, moving on. The Lakers, uh, I think they were the clear winners of free agency. They got Schroeder, who's a big upgrade from Bradley and Rondo, Um, Six-man off the bench in OKC. Uh, really closed out game as well with CP3 and SGA Um, biggest closing time crunch time minutes in the league uh, last year along those two guards most efficient too Um, but you know that's a big upgrade I saw he said he wants to start for a LeBron team Um, I mean I would assume that would happen I don't think Caruso is going to start now that Dwight's gone but you know he is a six man so they signed. They got KCP. They got him forty million. Clutch Sports really is clutch. I mean that guy was ridiculous in the finals. So more power to him. You know. Um, then Schroeder. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see that lineup. They got Gasol too on a veteran minimum. He just wanted to be in LA with um Powell and his family because he cares so much about family. But you know, either way. Uh, sorry, lost in my notes. Yeah, Harrell. Harrell was not good in the bubble. I want people to know that Lakers fans—they're the most frustrating people because they'll hate on someone. They'll hate on Giannis, say he can't do anything. They'll hate on Siakam, say he can't do anything. They'll hate on Trez, who you know, I'll give him that. His grandma, he, she passed away before the bubble, but he was a legitimate six man of the year candidate. Um, or he was a six man of the year. Excuse me. Um, and he just fell apart in the bubble. He was averaging eighteen and six before the hiatus, and then he just fell off to like six and two. And he was unplayable in that Denver series when they collapsed. A lot of that was on Harrell because they had nobody that could rebound over Grant or Jokic. And a lot of that falls on Harrell. And now Lakers fans are like, oh, we got the best team in the West. Now, how are you going to beat us? And, you know, granted, if you have LeBron and AD, I don't see how anybody's going to beat them. They're the prohibitive favorites in my mind, but I just, yeah. uh, Whatever. Anthony Davis signed a 190 million dollar five year deal. LeBron signs an 85 million dollar extension to two years, I believe. So uh, I think that lines up with when Bronny graduates high school. So I would think that's his ultimate goal here. Um, but the Lakers, <laughs> the Lakers are going to be really good for the next couple, the next five years, maybe even more. If Anthony Davis stays there and LeBron decides to leave to go to wherever his son is drafted to, they have the legitimate cap space to sign another superstar. That's ridiculous to think about. That is ridiculous. I think the Lakers, yeah, KCP, Gasol, um, Schroeder, all excellent addition to the Laker roster. They got rid of Dwight. I don't see how their roster just gets infinitely better when he leaves. I mean, he was just not playable. I know Bill Simmons was happy. He got a win um, when his guy Dwight couldn't play. But, yeah, the next thing that uh, we need to cover is Drew Holiday to Milwaukee. So this all happened, this all was unfolded in the first few hours of free agency. Um, Drew Holiday for Drew Holiday, Two Milwaukee for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and about two picks, two pick swaps. And I think there was one more pick. I don't know. I Drew Holiday is a great player, don't get me wrong, but I think New Orleans got set up pretty good here. But if this is what it takes to keep Giannis, then by all means, I think you have to do that. I mean... Here's one thing that I don't understand that people never really touch on in the media, but I don't know if it's just me being stupid because I haven't been into this that long, but why not just be like to Giannis, Hey, we're going to mortgage our whole future for you to stay to show that we care about you. But, you know, if you leave, we don't have any assets when you go. So can you just tell us? I feel like, why don't people do that more? Like, I I, I truly don't understand that. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, is it just me? Like, it, it can't just be me that thinks that. And obviously, you know, Drew comes and they're, we're like, wow, they're, they're a legit contender now. And then after the Drew stuff happens, um we're like, okay, well, Milwaukee needs to do something else, right, to make this work. Like they've got to do something. And then the Bogdanovich thing happens overnight, I think it was like midnight or so, uh, on that first Tuesday or Wednesday of free agency. And we're like, damn, the Bucks are definitely like they're the favorite in the East. Like, how can you stop this team? You're starting five as Giannis, Chris or Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez and Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is an absolute star um, in Sacramento, or nobody's a star in Sacramento, but, you know, either way, like, Bogdanovich was going to make big-time plays, and he was going to have memories that Bucks fans were going to remember forever. And then word comes out on Thursday or Friday of that week that That deal didn't happen. Bogdanovich never agreed to that. They were going to send DiVincenzo in a a first-round pick for him back to Sacramento, but it was a sign-and-trade, and and we had not entered free agency yet. And then word gets out that Bogdanovich, he's like, I never agreed to this. I'm not on the box. And then he gets an offer sheet. He's like, I want to make money still. So he waits around. Atlanta eventually gives him the highest offer. He goes there. Um, and I i don't know. Like, for Milwaukee, that's a huge blow. That's a huge blow to them. Because they had a championship caliber team with that. They still do, but that elevated their ceiling to a whole new level. And, you know, it just makes the Bucks front office look really bad. I don't know that I've ever heard about anything like this anybody can speak to it please tell me but that's just horrible for milwaukee and i, I guess they pick up guys like dj augustine and tory craig but how much do those guys really do in like playoff games like either way yeah sam presti 19 first round picks is it do we, does he need that many i, I mean i'm serious like so he takes on the Horford. He's basically the way station for everyone in the league now. He's like, send your bad contracts here. Send your picks here. We will take off the bad contracts. And you can you know, have a good window to do things for your team. So they take on the Horford contract, which was undeniably the worst contract in the league. Look, he was good in Boston, but... When he was playing with Embiid and Simmons, who, you know, let's be real, they can't really shoot at a reliable rate, and neither can Horford. It was it was ugly to watch that Philadelphia team. I think they still would have gotten annihilated by Boston, uh, even with a healthy Simmons. Maybe not a lot annihilated. Maybe it goes to six, but it was a sweep without him. But yeah, Horford, he's on the decline. I get. Uh, I don't really understand why Philly maxed them. I picked them to go to the finals coming into last year um, to play against the Lakers, but because it was a Giannis stopping team, I guess that's why they did it. But he got such an overpay that God, it was bad, but gosh, Philly really, we'll get, we'll get to them later, but Philly really changed some things. Kings ransom for Chris Paul. They got Ty Jerome, Ricky Rubio. Um, Kelly Oubre and a couple other people um, and a pick, I think. And I'm I'm glad to see Chris. I love Chris a lot. I'm really glad to see him go to play with Booker. That's going to be exciting. Um, we'll get them. We'll get to them later too. Um, and I have a question for everyone: Is this Lou Dort's team now? No, that was a joke. That was a joke. I mean, it's it's crazy that he dropped thirty points in a game seven. Like what? That happened? That happened this year. Like, let's just take a moment and think about that. That happened this year. Like, that's crazy. And, you know, the end of the dynasty. Um, Steven Adams went to New Orleans um for some picks, I believe. Um it's really just an end of an era. That Westbrook, KD, Abaka, Harden, um Steven Adams, like that team is fully dismantled now he's the last one um one of the better teams to never win a championship um yeah philadelphia i think they're the other big winners of free agency getting rid of richardson who he's a stud on defense but he cannot shoot to save his life he's a good player fits well in dallas but philadelphia Daryl Morey, if I could have one GM in the league, I would love to have Morey because you bring him in and you know, he's going to do things to make your team as efficient as it can be. And, you know, Doc is obviously, you know, I know Tobias is on a pretty bad contract, but let's not forget that um when Toby was still on the Clippers, he was playing the most efficient basketball of his life under Doc Rivers. Um, You know, they obviously were able to get off of Horford's contract, um, which is huge. They got Danny Green, and, you know, Lakers fans are the worst, man. You know, they knock him for missing that shot in Game 5 to win it, and, you know, he's just got to keep shooting, man. Like, I just, I don't care what Lakers fans say. Danny Green is still a reliable 3 and D guy, and he's exactly what Philadelphia needed. Yeah, uh, they acquire, you know, Seth for Richardson, which I think was probably the best basketball trade, you know. They have a guy who can slide right in next to Luca because they did not need another offensive weapon. Let's be real, they were average, they were like the 13th most historic offense of all time last year. And yeah, Richardson's the perfect guy, he's a defensive stalwart, he can play next to Luca, he doesn't have to do anything on offense as long as he's cut in and making smart reads, you know. He just I'm I'm really happy that's and for Seth to go to Philadelphia to get some legit three point shooting in Green and Curry, that's that's awesome for Philadelphia, and I think it it makes them jump up in the contention in the East dramatically. Um, and I know we said this last year when they lost Butler and Reddick, which is inexcusable that they didn't sign Jimmy, even though he, you know wanted out. either way. I got to say, I may have to pick Philadelphia to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals, um, come playoff time next year. And they get they had a good draft, too. Tyrese Maxey, he's one of the guys, ever since he hit that um, game winner against Michigan State, that Cassius Winston team last year in the Champions Classic, I was all in on him. Look, and his shot mechanics, they've improved. They, they really, like... He had he had the weird Kobe White Malcolm Brogdon thing. Granted, those guys are great players. Um, Malcolm especially borderline All Star, but you know he had the weird shot mechanics and it just it didn't look pretty. But hell, it went in. He's so crafty with his floater and he goes into a really good situation with Morey, who you know he doesn't have to handle the ball now. He doesn't have to be a guy who Philly's relying on to shoot threes. It's just it's really great to see that for him. And I'm really excited to see where he can be taken. Yeah. Um, the Let's get to this. The Dwight Howard mental gymnastics. So on Friday night of that week, Dwight Howard tweets out uh, something like, I can't wait to return, purple and, purple and gold nation, like love you, Laker nation, something like that. And then two hours later, he deletes the tweet, Maybe not. He was earlier than that. And then we get the woge bomb. Dwight Howard has agreed to a deal with the Philadelphia 76ers. And we're like, what? Wait, we just saw his Twitter. Like, anyways, um, yeah, I don't know about Dwight. I guess he's a, he's an, I mean, you can get good value out of him. He was, was only a $2 million contract. So, you know, you get good value out of him as a backup for Embiid. Um, you know, he's not great. I don't love him. I don't think anybody really does, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, he's just kind of one of those guys. And my guy, Justin Anderson, agrees to a deal two-way with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Love Justin, Virginia guy, kind of one of the founders of the Tony Bennett era. Um, Yeah, uh, he's kind of been around the league. He was on the nets for the bubble. He actually, uh, he was in Dallas and Philly and Atlanta all around, but love him. And now let's get to Phoenix. Um I love Chris Paul. He is undeniably a top 10 point guard of all time. A traditional top 10 point guard of all time. I'm really excited to see him in Phoenix. He he rejuvenated himself last year. Um you know like Houston was like uh like or OKC was like, no you've got to send like, a pick with him. Like, he is bad. He is washed up. I mean, he fell apart in that series against the Warriors. Um, But he just... It's a bad contract. It is a really bad contract. It's $38 million. And for Phoenix, that's a big risk. What if he's not the same? I mean, you get, what, two, three years out of Chris Paul maximum? But I'll be damned. I am so excited to see Devin Booker off the ball. That is... That is exhilarating to think about. (laughs) Like, he has some real help now. He has DeAndre Ayton. Imagine that pick-and-roll threat. You've got DeAndre Ayton. You've got Chris Paul. You've got Devin Booker. And you've got Jay Crowder, who rejuvenated himself in Miami, too. I mean, this team is legit. They re-signed Saric. They got him. He was really good for them last year. And losing Kelly Oubre, oh. They made him take pictures in the new uniforms, and then they traded him. That was kind of low. I get that was kind of me and Phoenix, but you know, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, we'll get over it. But that was kind of low. Yeah, but this this team this team is gonna be fun. I think this team has potential. Top six seed in. Um, you know, I think there's there's a there's a lot of good that can come from Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I think Chris is gonna bust Devin's ass every day. Um, you know, I'm really excited to see it. Now their their pick, Jalen Smith out of um Maryland. I didn't I didn't love it. I was kind of like, why not go for like a, a point guard? Like Chris is only gonna be here for a couple years at, at max or like he can't have that much left in his career. Who knows? It seems like LeBron's gonna go till he's 43. But, you know, I don't really count him. It seems like he, he can't have that long left, right? 38, 39? I mean, and I feel like I want Chris to win a championship so bad, but I feel like he's just going to be the guy who goes around to these young teams now and is like, I will help you. I will guide you guys. He guided Schroeder, you know. Obviously, there were the Houston and the Clippers didn't really work out for him because he had some chemistry issues, but I this is going to be a fun Phoenix team to watch out for. Um, yeah, let's get to the Clippers. Um, obviously, you know, not the best um, end of the season for them. Blowing a 3-1 lead to Denver, not taking anything away from Denver. But, you know, I don't think anybody expected that to happen. Um, I think Ibaka is a big upgrade from Harrell. Ibaka was really good in Toronto. and I don't know if that's just because it's Toronto and Toronto – makes just about every player they have great. Um, You know, I don't know why you get Batum. I mean, God, all the Hornets fans are are so happy that they got off of Batum's contract because that was awful. Um, But, you know, they still... Here's the thing about them. They still don't have a legit point guard. I'm sorry, they don't. The reason why Kawhi was such a good player in Toronto... Was because he had Kyle Lowry. You know, they had a leader. They had someone who took responsibility, who said, I effed up. They had people who said that. There is no one on this team who takes responsibility. Paul George just went on Matt Barnes' podcast a couple days ago and said, I didn't feel like Doc utilized me the right way. He was using me as a, in pin downs, like a, like a, or like a, J.J. Redick, Ray Allen type of player. He said, I'm not that player. And Paul George was the most efficient in the pick-and-roll this year. He said the pick-and-roll, not pent-outs, excuse me. He shot 33% in the pick-and-roll this year as opposed to 25%. in um, 25% was the greatest he had ever in OKC and 33% this year. So I don't understand why George, you know, I don't have, like, just, Own up to it. Own up to it. Say, I hit the side of the backboard in a Game 7 elimination game. We were up. They were up in all those games. You know, you have nobody taking responsibility. You have Patrick Beverly blaming it on Kawhi after it, saying he got special treatment. We got Doc getting fired for it. who That seemed a little unfair and a little hasty, in my opinion, just firing him. And I get it. He's got the reputation of not making adjustments. And this is his... Third 3 1 lead he's blown. But, you know, I just I don't I don't understand why Kawhi and George just they gotta take responsibility. They gotta have leadership in that locker room. Abaka's one of those guys, but he's not the alpha dog. That is why this team is not going to succeed unless they get a leader or they get someone to step up and do this. And I still think there's a realistic chance. You know, we'll see how this Clippers team does um go into the season. But I think there's a realistic chance by the trade deadline that Beverly and Williams could be packaged together for a major third piece and maybe a pick. I don't know. I don't I don't know who's out there. Maybe Chris Paul Phoenix doesn't work out. I doubt he'd want to play with the Clippers again because of the whole, you know, Lob City, whatever. Um, but yeah. Now Atlanta. Atlanta has what I call a lot of guys syndrome. They have a lot of guys. Now, they got Gallinari, who is a liar. <laughs> he said, I want to go to a championship team at this point in my career. It's not about money. I just want to win a championship. And then he goes to Atlanta, who is the 8th seed in the East at best. Now, I know there's a plan for the 7 through 10s now, but they are the eight seed at best. They, like, they got Bogdanovich, they got Rondo, you know. And I, I don't get like they're not getting guys they need in their position. They need a center. They, like they have the Maryland guy. I'm sorry, Maryland guy, you're blanking in my name right now, Bruno Fernando. Um, but they they got two wings, and you know you know who they drafted last year? They got DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, who were two of the better players in the ACC which is arguably the best college basketball conference it is. I'm not going to make any arguments just because it is. Um. I don't get it. Like, you want to develop these young players, sure. But if you have these guys coming off the bench for Gallinari and Bogdanovich, like, they're not going to develop. And DeAndre Hunter is, like, the only defender on that team. And so is Cam Reddish. And are they going to get any PT? Are they just going to sub-defense in for offense? Like, I don't know. We'll see. But this team seems like they're just going to try to put up 150 points every night, and they're not going to play a lick of defense because, you know who else they got? Rajon Rondell. And does he ever try in the regular season? No, he doesn't. Now, he was great in the playoffs this year, but Laker fans wanted him gone for the last two seasons for legitimate reasons because he absolutely sucked in the regular season there's no way around it now i saw a report a couple days ago that cam reddish is still supposedly growing still he was 6-5 coming in the last season and now he's 6-9 coming into training camp which just started a couple days ago when has that ever happened like that is ridiculous that that happened like I mean, I still have, you know, it's only been a year. Atlanta is one of the worst places (laughs) players can go to. But, you know, I still still believe in DeAndre Hunter. I still believe in Cam Reddish. DeAndre was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I saw him make big-time shots. I saw him make a three to win the national championship or send it to overtime and then make another ridiculous one contested by the fifth pick in the draft, Jarrett Culver, to get the lead in overtime. I saw that happen. I saw Cam Reddish hit a three to come back down 23 from Louisville. I saw that happen. These guys are not schmucks. They are legitimate players who are just in a bad position. Um, And I just think it's, it's not the greatest thing to have... To bring in Bogdanovich and Gallinari, because uh, like you get veteran leadership, I guess. But like you, you have like Herder, like you have guys who can mentor them. You know, I mean, they're like they're just not gonna get any playing time, anyways. Dallas Richardson is the perfect defensive fit next to Luka. Now, it's like I said, perfect basketball trade. You know, Seth Curry plugs right into Philadelphia's system, gives him some shooting, gives him some ball handling. Richardson, you know, you don't have, you can't pick on Luka defensively that much. You know, you got Rich, Josh Richardson, who, you know, he wasn't great in Philadelphia, but that's because he was in a bad position. That was the role of Ben Simmons. He was the defender. He was all NBA first team this year. I think he was. If not, he was second team. But, you know, the other thing about Dallas, Kristaps Porzingis, the injuries are a concern at this point. Like, I'm getting concerned about his future. Like, it it just doesn't make any, like, first his right leg, now it's his left leg. Now you have to take a step back, and you're like, is this who we want playing with Luca three years from now? Because I don't. I would get rid of him. Like, the injury concerns are too bad. Like, we saw what Luca did against the Clippers, who you know ultimately blew a three-one lead to Denver. Um, but so did the Jazz. People forget, um, but you know, I just I don't I don't love KP. You know, he's a great player. He can get picked on defensively, not in the post, but outside. Yeah, he's gonna get cooked. Yeah. Okay. This was a great talk about NBA free agency, but now we're gonna move on to some college hoops week one and two recap. So we had the Champions Classic. Uh, Michigan State played at Duke. Um, that was a lot of fun. So Duke struggled against Michigan State. I'm going to be real here. Um, it was bad. Jalen Johnson, who's a stud freshman, was taking, he's a big, he's taking threes from well beyond the arc and then absolutely bricked one. And then you're like, oh, is this going to be a down year for Duke? So I don't know. I, I think it could be. I don't know, Duke fans. Could be a long year. That's all I'm saying. But you know, I'm not going to overreact. It's one game. Um. And then we had the slugfest. I actually went to bed before this one was over of Kansas and Kentucky. That was that was not a lot of fun to watch. Um. We had the Maui Invitational. Bill Walton is back. I'm I'm sick of the slander. I'm going to say it. I am sick of the Bill Walton slander. People are being too hard on him. You know, I we need to get him off primetime because Big Cat said this on Wednesday's part of my take. He was like, the reason Bill Walton is getting so much hate is because normally Bill Walton is a treat. You get to watch him on Oregon, Oregon State, on the Pac-12 network at like 11 o'clock at night on a Friday. Now he's on prime time, calling North Carolina, Texas, on a Wednesday afternoon at four o'clock p.m. That like, I love Bill Walton. You know, there was, he's such a weird guy. Like he never even talks about the basketball. Um, but you know, I just the the hate needs to stop, people. Like the the haters are real, and I'm sorry, Big Wave Billy. You have been disrespected, and I will I will vouch for you. Texas, um, Texas looked good. Uh, Matt Coleman, uh, step back three to win against UNC. That was a lot. That was a fun game to watch. That was that was, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely you can definitely recognize it now, that um, that it's really it's really hard to accept that like there's no fans of these games or there there are but like there's not a Pat Cameron Indoor Stadium. There's not a packed John Paul Jones arena. There's not a packed uh, Dean Dome, you know, like all these places that like, you know, like you can hear the sound. Like it's, it's like sad. It's like COVID man. Like it's really, it's really taken us. Like it's really just like, uh, like teams that could be put in a position to win uh, with their home team, you know, I'm not making any excuses for Virginia, but they did lose to San Francisco. Um, And, you know, Villanova lost to Virginia tech and, Kentucky lost to Richmond, but Richmond's legit. They're on hiatus right now because of positive COVID tests. Um, yeah, I, I don't know.
1: I, I like Carolina.
0: I like Caleb Love. I like R.J. Davis. I like their backcourt. Garrison Brooks is a really good player. I don't know if he's ACC Player of the Year worthy candidate, but, you know, he's still legit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Carolina is going to be a top-five team in the ACC all year long, at least – as it looks right now, they will be. I think there's a little overhype with them. I think they're a second-weekend team at best. I don't see how this team goes to the Final Four, but maybe they figured it out. It's early in the season. We'll see. Um, so Virginia and Villanova, obviously I mentioned them just a couple minutes ago. They're legit title contenders. Virginia just dogged it out with Kent State. And went to overtime with them. Sam Hauser had a pump fake that reminded me of that Ty Jerome um, pump fake two years ago uh, when they went to Duke um, when they were like just rolling through the ACC. I think they had one loss that year. They went 17 and one. Um, but yeah, Sam Hauser, he's a big time player. He's not a great defender. He's letting a lot of guys get by him tonight. Um, obviously, the San Francisco loss. You know, he had a wide open look and it just didn't go down. Um, but the fact that Virginia was in that position, I think part of me thinks that Tony's trying to pull an Izzo and have a little manufactured diversity. I don't want to say that for sure, but I think that's a real possibility. Um, yeah, I think, I think Virginia tech's really good too. That Kevin Luma kid. I watched him last night against Virginia tech. Um, it's kind of a dog fight too. Um, he was tied for most of the second half, and then Virginia Tech just pulled away. Kevin Aluma was dunking on people. Obisa Bide had a nice pull-up. Um, they, they lost a lot. They lost Landers Nolly to Memphis, and I thought this team is... They were, they are were going to be bad this year. They're going to be really bad. They got uh, the Diara kid from Kansas State. Um, these, are, these are a really good team. This is a top six, seven... Maybe even a top five ACC team. So I wouldn't bet against them. They're a team that they, they could sneak into the NCAA tournament. They could get hot from three of them. You know, they got Hunter Couture. They got Wabiza Bide. Uh, they, they got a lot of guys and they, they play well together. They obviously beat Villanova, who I think is also a really good team with Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Colin Gillespie. Like, Jeremiah Robinson Earl is an NBA prospect for sure. That is a guy who. You can bet on it. He's making it to the league because he's got all the two tools. He's so physical with the ball. He can shoot it. You know, he's got great rebounding ability, great feel. He is an NBA prospect for sure. Any team would be lucky to have him. Now, I think I think UNC fans hate Sam Hauser. I, I do. I really think they do. I think there's a Joey Hauser fan club form in to root against. Uh, Sam Hauser and you know I think they're they're gonna make fun of that uh, UNC or they're gonna make fun of that San Francisco loss all year and they're just gonna be like well you know he had an open look it just didn't go down but either way whatever it's fine uh, and one more thing about that Virginia Tech team Mike Young is officially Mr. November congratulations Last year, he dethroned Tom Izzo's Michigan State Spartans. Who, you know, going into the last season, I was like, "This team will win the national championship." Cassius Winston, you know, uh, Rocket Watts, Aaron Henry, all those guys, and they're <laughs> they're really good this year too. Um, either way, yeah. So yeah, Michigan State uh, they beat him last year. Uh, they beat number three Villanova this year. Um and Mike Young's really got a fantastic program that he's built. Um, you know, Kebe Aluma, Wabisa Bide, Cartier Diara, Naheem Aline. Uh, that's that's a legit team. And I'm just I'm really excited to see what he's done uh, getting this program back on speed feet after Buzz Williams left, after they obviously made a run to the Sweet Sixteen a couple years ago. Um we got the honestly, like one of the last one of the last Buzz Williams guys. As uh, would be Sabide, and this is a great way for him to have his final season. I know it's not ideal for him, but that kid is a fighter. You know he's really improved his three point shooting from last year, and I'm really excited to see uh, what the upcoming season has for him. Now, and shout out to Foy and the Na brothers. Love the Virginia Tech team. So a couple nights ago, uh, Gonzaga, who honestly, if I'm If I'm going right now, I know it's early, but if I had to pick a team to win the national championship, it would 100% be Gonzaga, because they are legit. I'll get to their players in a bit, but uh, they they had a slugfest with West Virginia, who I haven't had a lot of time to watch. I was actually um, sleeping during the game, because I wanted to get ready for the Illinois Baylor game, Um, but... Because I thought Gonzaga, for sure, they're going to blow them out. And then it's close for the whole time, and it honestly comes down to like the final like four or five possessions. But Gonzaga, they just have so much talent. Jalen Skuggs went down earlier in that game, but he is ridiculous. He is an athlete. He can jump out of the gym. He's got high IQ passing. Um, he's, he's a really good player. And they've got, obviously, the senior Corey Kisper, who is a preseason All-American, who can put it on the floor from anywhere. He can shoot from anywhere. You know, he's a smart, like, off-ball cutter. You know, he can do everything. He's got the hair, too. He's got the swagger, but he he hides it. Um, you know, they've got, obviously, who else? Uh, Drew Timmy, who—Timmy, Timmy. Timmy. <laughs> Sorry, it's a little South Park. Um— he's really good. Like there's some of these seals where he's got the deep position. And I'm like, wait, is, is there more? And then he hits these like little turnaround faders. And I'm like, Oh my God, is there more to this? Like what? Like, this is insane. I like that team. Joel Yayi, um, another great guy who can handle the rock and the, the Florida transfer, Andrew Nemhart. I love, he's a really good player. They've got a lot of good players. Like, honestly, like, if you put all those guys out there in a three-point contest, I think Kispert's going to win. They're not a three-point contest, but, like, if I need a bucket to win the game, I'm putting those five guys out there, and I'm, like, I'm fine with any of them shooting it because they can all do it. But, yeah, I'm going all in on Gonzaga. This is their year. Um They're finally going to do it. They're going to win a national championship. Mark Few's going to get the reserves. And, yeah, so – the other team, number two, got a great mashup coming up. Uh, what's going to be tomorrow night? No, tomorrow afternoon, actually. Um, Baylor, number two, versus number one, Gonzaga. So Baylor gutted it out with Illinois. Um, that was actually the first game where I was like, this is like – this feels like sports. Like it feels like there's fans here. Cause the, the benches were absolutely wild. Like it, it was like Myers Leonard uh, on the heat during the finals. Like he was always cheering cause he was never playing, but you know, he, he was, he was ridiculous. He was like shouting. He was jumping up and down when he had his heat pack on his back. I was like, yes, this guy, yes, let's get it. Um, but yeah, that like the illinois and baylor teams they were both just cheering the, their hearts out um and i love to see that because you know obviously with covid you know it's, it's hard and it, it takes a toll on us and not having the fans there like it's hard to feed off that energy but they did a really good job with it and i just like to shout them out but baylor has a dangerous dangerous four guard lineup um, I really like Baylor. I really like Baylor. Uh, they got Jared Butler preseason all-American. They got Flo Thamba, who sounds a lot like Mo Bamba, but he's their big man. I thought they were going to lose a lot with Mark Vidal, but you know, they 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 found a way to get by and um they're they're a legit team. They got Davion Mitchell who is an absolute gamer. Like he he's like he was hitting these like step back like like he would, he would do a crossover, a little, a little hesi, and then he'd step back and he'd drain it in like Io face. And this guy's a preseason All-American who's one of the best defenders in the country. And I'm like, oh my god, like this is, this is insane. Um, but yeah, th- this is gonna be, this is gonna be a fun team to watch. Uh, especially tomorrow, we'll see who deserves to be number one. I think it's going to be Gonzaga, but prove me wrong, Baylor. Um, Coach McKay, a uh, friend of the program, trademarked. He played four Power Five teams uh, in their first five days of the season. He is two and two against them. He played Mississippi State and South Carolina. He beat them handily. They set a program record of threes, 19, I believe, by South Carolina. And this is a team to watch out for. They're going to be like a 14 seed in March Madness, presuming they win the A-Sun. They've got the A-Sun Defensive Player of the Year and Elijah Cuffey. They got legit point guards transfer from Kennesaw State, I want to say. Um, Chris Parker and uh, Darius McGee, who is just taking a leap this year. Um, got a good recruiting class. This this is gonna be a fun team. Uh, and I really I'm really happy for Coach McKay. you know, obviously it sucks that last year ended like it did. He had a legit team that I honestly think could have made a sweet sixteen run, maybe even farther. Um, but losing Caleb Holmesley to the Wizards, losing Scotty James, losing all those guys, you know, that was a core that they had built up. They had a mass over the year. They had beaten Mississippi State and made it the round of thirty-two. To and they played Virginia Tech. They played their hearts out. You know, they they lost. They didn't lose by a lot, but they Virginia Tech was literally a bucket away from making it to the Final Four, Or making it to the Elite Eight. And you know, I'm just I'm just so happy for Coach McKay to see what what he's taking this program to. Um, you know, it's like it's normal. It's like oh, Liberty's on playing on CBS right now. Like that's insane for him. So I'm just—that's exciting for him. And they've got their first game. Uh, they just had their first home game two nights ago, and—or no, last night—and they got to the number one on Sports Center. So shout out to uh, that Dobbs kid. This is gonna be a fun team. Thanks for joining us on Around the Old 160. Uh, see you soon, everyone.
1: Yeah, thanks thanks for joining us um we're launching a website soon we have an instagram up now uh go follow us at around the old 160 and we hope to see you on our next episode
0: yep uh we had a lot of fun talking with tremaine and i had a lot of fun talking about free agency and college hoops but um yeah for sure see you everyone
1: bye